Pastor Stephen, you know what? Let's put a little love on him right now. So welcome, Pastor Stephen, to the stage. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, after church, I've asked Randy Marty to, to hang around a little bit so you can catch him out in the gathering place and give some, some hugs and, and uh, because they're, it's, it's the end of the week. This is the week. It's actually happened. Woo, my goodness. All right. So we are, are in a study in the book of Matthew, and um, when you come up upon a chapter or a scripture, you receive it, I receive it as this is God's will for this coming Sunday. And so I'm excited about this. I believe chapter 11 is God's will for this Sunday. I do see uh, a connection with the Olympics, so I'm going to do it. I enjoy watching the Olympics. I wish I saw more of, of, of the Olympics to track it. And, of course, it's the stories that they give you the background of someone's life and what it took to get there, and then you cheer for them that much louder. And then good old patriotism for the good old USA. I checked the medal count. Uh, what I saw was that... Uh, the USA, we leave in total medal, medal count of 108. Uh, China is second with 87. That's really dominating. I like that. I like that. Uh, but in the gold count, China edged us out by two. They had 38, and we had 36 in the gold. We have 39 now? They have 39 now? We have 39. So this, I checked this last night, so it keeps going. Okay, all right, so we pass them in the gold now. All right. Go USA, all right. Woo-hoo. But I found a, a little website, or a website called Sports Spectrum that actually highlights Christian athletes of all sports. Of course, a lot's what's going on right now in the Olympics. And I was just checking some of the names and stories, and it's really powerful. Uh, there were three wrestlers who are believers and would speak of their faith, uh, Kyle Snyder, Helen Morales and Tamara um, Mensa. Uh, there was a diver, Krista uh, Palmer, who gave glory to God, gave glory to God. Um, the, uh, the swimmer, uh, Caleb Dressel, had five gold medals. Uh, he, he has a big eagle tattoo on his shoulder, and he says that's based off of uh, Isaiah 40, 31, which says, and we shall rise with, with eagle's wings. And, uh, and that's where that tattoo came from. Uh, Vincent Hancock is a three-time Olympic gold medalist in skeet shooting. Yeah. I, I, I like skeet shooting. That's really fun. And he gives glory to God. Allison Felix, the track star, uh, has more medals than any other track athlete just past Carl Lewis. She has 11 now after they won the relay uh, yesterday. And uh, she has been giving glory to God and, and, uh, for, for years. But a 19-year-old uh, got gold in the 800 meters. Her name is Athing Mew. And I couldn't remember how many years ago it was that the last time an American woman won. And she was a believer too. 
uh, in that same race. So just a lot of, uh, you know, really chances to glorify God. But I want to say that I was really struck by the wording of Cindy McLaughlin's uh, posts uh, and her win. She was in the hurdles, the women's hurdles, and and uh, broke the world record. She's had like two world records. She's very young, uh, in her early 20s. And I want to read this to you. And she sounds like she was rededicated to the Lord this past November in, uh, with the water baptism in, uh, in the L.A. area in the ocean. And I had been reading about these, these massive uh, water baptisms having, happening in Southern California this past year that God is really working and, and, and she posted when, in November when she got water baptized and really ear, earmarks it. But listen to the, wording to the wording to this. She says, let me start off by saying that what an honor it is, it is to be able to represent not only my country, but also the kingdom of God. What I have in Christ is far greater than what I have or don't have in life. I pray my journey may be a clear depiction of submission or obedience to God. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't seem possible, he will make a way out of no way, not for my own gratification, but for his glory. I have never seen God fail in my life, in anyone's life for that matter, just because I may not win every race or receive every one of my heart's desires does not mean God had failed. His will is perfect, and he has prepared me for a moment such as this that I might use the gifts he has given me to point all the attention back to him. Wow. I love it when athletes are clear and they say, there's something greater than this gold medal in my life. Though how awesome it is, and that's got to be one of the most powerful witnesses in that international uh, athletic world that you mean you have something more uh, that you have more devotion to, more loyal to than this. And Cindy McLaughlin said it clearly. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your will and way will be done as we listen to your word and your spirit, that you help me share what you want me to say, but Lord, that you help each one of us for our ears and our hearts to be enlightened and open to your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little review. We have been learning about discipleship in the Gospel of Matthew. And in the Gospel of Matthew, he is breaking down what discipleship looks like, and it ends up being a sent one. And right, we've just finished a three-part series how we're called to discipleship, and what that means we're called as sent ones out. And, and we just went through this little pep talk that Jesus gave the 12 before he sent them out, and he gave them authority. He said, You're, this, is, this, is what I'm, this is your purpose, I'm sending you out. And he even got really blunt, honest, and serious, and, and it's, we found it to be true over the centuries. Unfortunately, you may be persecuted, ridiculed, you might even die for my sake. There's a great reward for that uh, because that's what this is, an eternal life. This is an eternal decisions that you're making. But he was blunt and upfront, and that's happening today. If, if you don't believe that, you, you don't understand what's happening uh, to believers around the world. But there is persecution even to death today. So we're seeing now a, 
a resurgence in the story of what John the Baptist, both what he did and where he's at right now. And he's actually in prison, soon to be beheaded because of his preaching. He was the uh, type of uh, preacher that didn't hold anything back, and he said it like it was. He would shoot straight. And he was the one that prepared the way for Christ's coming. So his ministry and teaching prepared. So when Jesus came, his ministry would just take off and, and, and Jesus could complete his work in our hearts, in their hearts, and in the earth. Let me give you, a, remind you a little bit just of John the Baptist, his kind of beginnings he had parents that were so old that they had knew that and, and they would never have children. They were going to be retiring soon from uh, the priesthood. And, and, uh, and uh, Zacharias was his, the father's name, was in Jerusalem doing his duty in the temple. And the angel Gabriel came and spoke to him that, hey, your prayers have been answered. Your wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby. And you should call him John. And he goes into this, and he says he's not going to drink any wine or liquid, uh, liquor. He'll drink liquid. He'll, he'll need to do that. And he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from, from the mother's womb, which is no one else has, has, that's happened before in the Old Testament, where the Holy Spirit would actually be you know, with him, in him, even from the womb. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and empower people for certain ministry and tasks and leadership, but this was a brand new thing. And but you know, just this little thing, he wouldn't drink any wine or liquor, was a big sacrifice for them. Because wine was like our Coke, it was like our lemonade, it was what you drank besides water. And so he really was making a sacrifice. If you know the story and how he develops, he was went out into uh, the outskirts areas and preach people would come he would baptize them and he would eat a locust and honey so this guy made some serious commitments in its heart to set himself apart for this ministry now i've been in africa before with my parents my dad did over 20 trips uh, to africa medical mission trips and other mission trips and and he would bring back uh, uh, photographs that I didn't see this for the trip I went to, but but they would for protein, and it was actually when you boiled these big beetles, kind of locust things, and boiled them, they were actually uh, pretty good. And uh, and and I don't know if I was chicken or I just never did go find any, but I know they were there in Malawi, uh, and and he my dad went to other countries too, but. And I'm thinking, hey, locust and honey, you know, you got the crunch, you put the honey on there. It's probably not that bad, actually. Just keep your supply of honey full so you can dip it in there. That was his dip. His favorite dip was honey. So whenever I do eat a big bug like that, I'll let you know. But you have to actually go to another gospel and some Old Testament scriptures to find a little bit more about John the Baptist's purpose and his target of his message. So I'm going to actually go to Luke chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. This is what the angel Gabriel is saying to the fathers, uh, Zacharias, there in the temple in the Holy of Holies, 
And he says, uh, in verse 16, the angel says, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to their Lord. And that's that repentance of them turning away from their sins and turning to God. And verse 17 says, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so we see these, a, t- a couple dynamics here that the angel spoke and, and John the Baptist did do it. And we need to say, Lord, do this in our hearts. That you uh, uh, will, will want to turn us back to you and that you want to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and, and, even, and, and then the disobedient in the, to the attitude of the righteous. So there's these turnings of people who are going away from each other, turning toward each other. This is actually a partial quote out of Malachi chapter 4, 6, which is the last verse of the Old Testament. So all Jewish people knew that the last verse was this right here. Malachi 4, 6, it says, He will restore, talking about this this, uh, person like Elijah coming, He will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to their fathers. So that will not... So I will not come and smite the land with the curse. Sociologists, not just Christian counselors and, and, and psychologists, but in general, look at what's happening in our nation and the world and say that fatherlessness is the, is the central brokenness that's causing all kinds of, of abuse, causing all kinds of violence in our young people and in our culture Uh, poverty and gender confusion it's the lack of fathers and here in the last verse of the the old testament said john the baptist you need this as part of your ministry to prepare the way of the lord to turn parents hearts and fathers hearts to children so we as the older generation we first initiate it to the younger generations and then that opens the hearts to the younger generations to respond back to us in our families and our extended families in our communities and our spiritual families this is a key ministry to be prepared for what jesus wants to do in our heart and lives matthew 3 2 speaking of john the baptist in his ministry what did he preach he said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and then that means, is at hand, that means it, it's here, it's near, it's close. In fact, it's so close. Today is the day for you to repent and, and wash your sins away. And they had these baptisms in rivers and other places in the Jordan River. And he would, and, and they would, returning their hearts to God. It is now, it's not something to delay and wait any longer. He calls it a kingdom. It's a kingdom where there's a king. And this king has authority. And he's saying, now is the time to repent. And so obey this king, follow this king, turn toward him. John the Baptist was real big on fruit that lasts. And they would come up and say, okay, all right, we're, we're going to repent. Okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do it now. What does it look like for me? What is it? And he would basically go into their life and he would say, listen, let people see a change in your life and your behavior and the way you live. Let them see it. It's so real. It's not just in your heart and mind. That's where it starts. But it ends up being in your lifestyle and in your behavior and your relationships. Let them see it. 
And so now we're in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus has just finished doing this pep talk with the 12, and then he sends them off. And this group of the followers of John the Baptist come up, and they say, hey, um, uh, John is in prison, and he is asking, uh, you know, you know, what is going on? What's up? And Jesus said, um, tell him this, tell him and report what you see, that the blind are receiving sight and the, the lame are walking, the le- le- lepers are being cleansed, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And most of those people that were lepers or blind, they couldn't work, they either were segregated off, so they had to live, by, they were all poor, most of them were poor broken, alone, rejected. And he's saying, take this back to John the Baptist, what you see. And then he says this in verse 6. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Hmm. What does that mean? John the Baptist is sending this group of disciples of his saying, hey, listen, you know, just ask him, are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? And he wants Jesus to respond and make it clear. There's a little, you know, different perspectives here. Some say that John the Baptist, uh, you know, knew that he was going to die soon and he was ready uh, for that, but he knew his disciples wouldn't be. So he sent his disciples to go ask that question so they would hear it from Jesus' mouth himself so that they would be able to get that transition uh, from John the Baptist and start following Jesus. And that might be true. It doesn't really say that here in this text, but that could be true. Or he just, John the Baptist was really wondering and knew that he and his disciples had some questions. I'm in prison. Herod's got me in prison. He has no, uh, you know, hesitation to killing me. What's going to happen next? And Jesus clarifies who he is, and he says this statement, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. I don't know if you've been watching the, I know we bring it up so often, the Chosen series, and Andrew is the brother Peter, and, and there's Andrew and another disciple has been a follower of John the Baptist, and when John the Baptist gets beheaded uh, and dies, Andrew just kind of emotionally just goes ballistic, and, and then when Jesus is getting threatened by the authorities thinking we've got to protect Jesus because this is going to happen to Jesus too and and of course this is not in scripture in the gospels but it's it's saying what what is that like to see one of your leaders you totally followed and respected just die just like that uh uh, at the the flick of a finger at a at, at the ruling governor at that time and could this happen now to to who we believe is the messiah we've got to and and there could be this he panic, of course, Jesus is just using it every day to, you know, trust God, trust God, right? He's, he's teaching them and discipling them with the emotions of that day. But I want to say this is a very real thing that we need to realize for our own selves. 
that yes, there, that times of confusion, God, why is this suffering lasting so long? God, why have I haven't received that miracle that that other person got? Uh, why haven't you answered my prayer? Why is this taking so... Can, how, I don't know if I can last any longer, Lord. I don't know if I can stick with you. And we get to a place where we start doubting, do we really want to keep trusting God or not? And I believe Jesus is saying, don't compare the blessings of others, but be thankful for the ones you have received. Because when we start thinking about the blessings of God that we have received, it it ends up being a long list. If we really just take the time and trust in God, we start in writing them down. We say, wow, that's, I'm, wow, that's, it's true, thank you. And we realize again how faithful he's been. And as Cindy McLaughlin was trying to find the words, and she had just a beautiful way of saying that even if I don't win a race or my heart's desire is not fulfilled, I trust in God. His will is perfect for me. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at a couple verses there. And this is Paul's journey. The Apostle Paul, the greatest preacher of, of the New Testament, started all the churches, wrote most of the New Testament. And he is going through a tough time of suffering. And he calls it a thorn in his flesh, a messenger, a messenger of Satan is tormenting him. And he said he goes to God three times uh, in, in his his uh, dedication of prayer, you know, this is, this is going to leave, I know, and three times, and it didn't go away. And this most powerful verses that becomes, has become one of my favorite verses that I need over and over, verses 9 and 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he said, And God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Verse 10, therefore I am well content with weaknesses and with insults, with distresses and with persecutions and with difficulties with, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul could have gotten offended and said, this, this attack from the enemy is not going away. I'm sick and tired of this God. And look, look at this list of of the insult, distresses, persecutions, and difficulties. These aren't little, you know, minor sufferings. See, there's a grace for that specific suffering they're going through. Paul found it right here. He said, even though this hasn't gone away, I have grace for it now. And he says, there's this power that's coming into my life that wouldn't have been here if this weakness hadn't occurred. I'm discovering a new and different power right now. Oh, Lord, if we could grab this, wouldn't it be great? If we say, Lord, you're working a grace during this tough time that I need. And in fact, there's a new power that it's producing. It's something like this new strength is sufficient for you in an amazing way. It produces a new level of power in your life due to the weakness. That weakness is opening a door for more of God's grace, a new kind of grace, and that produces a power that we haven't experienced before. 
So, Lord, we just, just take a moment right now and say, Lord, help us see that, that extra grace you're giving us, that, that new grace, that new strength that we haven't known before that turns into a, a, a power for us in our life in some way, in our minds or our will, our emotions, our inner being. It's, it's, we're gaining wisdom and an understanding that we haven't had before. Lord, help us see this grace and depend upon it during our tough times. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 11, back to our text here. What is it that we're going to really focus on in this chapter from his ministry and how it's going to impact us today? Jesus is, is going on saying, hey, you know, what were you expecting to see? Some, some little reed that, you know, if the wind blows too hard, it's just going to break and fall over and die. No, that's, that's not John the Baptist. He's tougher than that. Were you expected to see somebody in soft clothes and nice soft robe? No, that's, that's for those who live in palaces. You know how he is. He's got camel hair, a leather belt, you know, just a tough guy, uh, you know, a woodsman, an outdoorsman that can handle the weather of the toughest kind. You know, what did you go out to see? And then uh, he, he goes into this, that he was... He was the one that was prepared the way. Verse 11 of chapter 11, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus is telling these disciples and these hearers, listen, no matter what happens to John the Baptist, realize there's no one greater than he. I'm honoring him. I'm lifting him up. And then he goes on to say, but listen, the way this thing works, I mean, we're all, through humility, uh, receive honor and greatness in the kingdom. Verse 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent men take it by force. This is where I want to focus on on the rest of the message this idea that, what is this? This kingdom, uh, it, it, it's, it's suffering violence, it's experience of violence, and it's violent men and women who take it by, what does this mean? Well, when there's a kingdom, uh, there, is, there are enemies of the king. Right now in the USA, we, we many of us feel that there are, there are enemies within us that's, that's attacking our foundations of our country of freedoms and, and values and biblical values that were established in the beginning of our nation. And there's this, there's, there's this battle going on within our own nation. If you lived in Israel, you know that there is a great battle uh, of violence around you where your enemies surround you. And so they have the, the required draft for all young people. Uh, men, they, it's two and a half years. Women, it's two years. And it's required for all young people because they constantly have enemies that, that say out of their mouth, their leaders say, we want Israel to be wiped off the map. We don't want them to exist anymore. So a king has an army and you and I, Though we're his sheep, it's so sweet. We have a shepherd. We, we are his children, his cute sons and daughters. He loves us so much. But we are in an army military, and, he's, and we serve the king. And soldiers know they have enemies, 
And that is the mentality of a warrior. It's an aggression. It's a violent mentality. So this is a spiritual statement for our spiritual life. And it's that a spirituality includes the spirituality includes spiritual aggression and violence. It's a commitment, it's a dedication that fights uh, compromise, complacency, distraction. It says, no, I'm going to stay devoted, I'm going to stay dedicated. And we need help with that, don't we? I know when I was 18, a senior in college, and I had been, uh, you know, at, at a church goer. I had not decided as a young man to to dedicate my whole life to Christ. And I was in a, a worship service chapel of, of, of students. And I was like, I see, I see young people standing up and choosing to follow Christ wholeheartedly. I've never done that. And the next morning I said, I want to do this too. But, you know, I might forget about it. I'm just so just easily distracted. I, I get following my own personal desires and wants. I might forget. So I, I put a big D on my uh, in, in blue ink, dark ink, just over and over, big deed to remind myself, I am totally dedicated to Christ, and I put it on my notebook at school, and by God's grace, I didn't forget, and I, by God's grace, I've lived that out. But I also want to be honest with you that I've, even this year, knowing myself and my weaknesses, that I needed God's sufficient grace, and Lord, I've been saying, God, strengthen my will. Strengthen my commitment when I com- dedicate something to you and Lord, help my resolve. Lord, give me grace and sufficient. This is a weakness of mine to stick with it and finish the task you've given me. Gerald Terrell is my inspirational workout buddy and he texts me to remind me to get up because we've been now for a number of months uh, meeting at. Uh, Colin Lane's high school at 5.30 a.m. for a workout with other men. And it's just, it's just every exercise will wear you out. And you're 20, 30, 40 minutes in this thing. You just want it to end. You just want it to stop. Your body, it's just pain and suffering on your body. And particularly one mile, the age that my body is. And, and there's a phrase that these men often say. And they say, we don't get up early for easy. We don't get up early for easy. If it was easy, why would you get up early and get, drag yourself out of bed? If it's early and you're making a sacrifice, then sacrifice some more. Make it count. I haven't told you that the title of this message is No More Games. And... That's a little confusing with my opening about the Olympics, but I'm going to tell you a story of how this relates to my heart and I believe for us as a church body. I've gotten to know a, a, a new friend uh, who's a pastor at Christianburg Baptist Church. That's just right on the outside of Baghdad. His name is, um, his name is uh, Pastor Harry Abair, And... He loves prayer. He loves unity in the body. So he's just clenched on to fielding myself and and leading out in these community prayer meetings. And his church is one of the 11 churches praying uh, one day a month. 
and and he's he's part of this kind of leadership team that's heading this thing up and gotten to know him and what 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 a big heart his wife robin was actually uh, a teenager back in graffenberg days with joel and carol early on and at the uh, june community prayer gathering the first thursday of the month we were at his church and he and i and we always want to pray for uh freedom from addictions in our county that this this darkness that's bringing overdoses over and over again to our friends and family is going to end in Jesus' name. God's enlisting an army to attack that. And so we always have uh, uh, a, a, some, you know, some time spent every month on that specific area. And, and so Pastor Harry said, hey, my son-in-law, Ron Whitaker, I'm going to ask him to lead out in prayer in this because he has been delivered from drugs. And, and, and he's got a you know, great testimony. He shared that and led us in prayer. And it was just... I was so glad to hear this hopeful story that God is able to break drug addiction in Jesus' name. Here's a living witness, and, and um, he's married and has, uh, you know, a three-year-old son. And Well, in early July, there was a family reunion on Ron's side of the family down in western part of the Kentucky, down, down country roads, out of cell service, the whole bit. A lot of relatives there, and they had a big fireworks uh, you know, show that they did, and it was over, and he went over to help clean up. And he went over to one of these large cannons, bent down, and as he touched it and jostled it, it smoldered and it exploded. They weren't even in range. They were so far away from any hospital. They had to get them out of there and get to an ambulance, where an ambulance could get to them, took them to UK intensive care, went through nine-hour surgery. Both the ERR doctors and the surgical doctor says, this is amazing, he's still alive. They, his jaws were still intact, so they used those points to rebuild his face. He lost one eye. The other eye is, uh, seems to be working well. They said, this, ne- this never happens. You usually you lose one, you lose both. COVID restrictions, they're going to only have two visitors. That was Pastor Harry and his daughter, Ron's wife. And so they would be there 12 hours at a time uh, for, for weeks, just rotating back and forth. It's very intense. And Ron was intubated. But he would have paper he would write on, and he said, hey, Dad, I saw Jesus. Harry said, oh, what did he say? And he wrote on the paper, no more games. A number of days later, he's off the, the tube, and they're able to talk. Pastor Harry asked him, so what does that mean, no more games for you? He said, I don't know, but I'm not playing around anymore. So I want to take that phrase as it just shot into my heart when I first heard that story. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me, no more games? That was the message of John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Let this repentance be so real that people will see the change in your, in your heart. 
I know for me, one area I was convicted about is, Lord, I, I, I've, I've been a believer so long. I've done so many prayer meetings. I've done so many, you know, no more games. Recognize when you just get into the, the pattern, the habit of doing the same thing over. Add your faith to this prayer. Don't just say the prayer. Add your faith to it. In this worship song, it's not just a, a worship song and you're just reading the words. No, take these words. Lift them up to my throne from your heart. Uh, this devotional time, it's not just a check mark. Oh, I got that done. Now I can move on. No, it's a time of transformation with God's almighty word. And whether you feel something or not, you're planting the eternal world, word in your heart. It's going to bear fruit. No more games, Stephen Riley. Don't just go through the motions. Olympic athletes, at some point in their training, they have to make a decision. Am I going to just train and be a good athlete, maybe be in a professional realm, or am I going to go for the Olympics? Where I'm not going to play around anymore, that I'm going to go to that full dedication where I have one, one goal is to get on the Olympic team, and then the second goal is to win the gold medal. There's some kind of level of dedication, determination before God that said, God, this is what I'm drawn to. I want this. I'm going to need that, that grace to be sufficient for, for me to, to keep this commitment. But I want to go there in my resolve. I don't know if you saw Tamara Mensa's uh, gold medal um, interview. She was the, uh, the girl that won in the, um, the wrestling and I, I kind of have this written down quote. She says, by the grace of God, I can even, I need to, by the grace of God, I can move my feet. I leave it in God's hands and I pray at practice because of the H-E-L-L that my freaking coach has put me through. It says, it is paid off and there's no limit what I can do. So she admitted that the road and journey was H-E-L-L, that journey to the goal. And she prayed at every practice and trusted God to get her through it. There is this, and, and I, I don't want to go into it right now, but there, there is a war, there is a battle from our own flesh, that our flesh that battles in our members saying, oh, just sleep in. Oh, just don't go there. D don't approach them and make it right in that relationship. Don't humble yourself. It'll just pass over time. We're, there's this battle. There's this violence against us coming from our flesh. There's a battle from the, the debates and the arguments on TV and, and the values that we see in the world, and that's bombarding us. And there's a, a battle there. There's a battle uh, from demonic forces that are deceiving and lying and speaking uh, to us through other people and other avenues and to us. And, and so there is this violence. Well, let me tell you, we have grace to be a mighty soldier in the army of God. He calls us, we are more than conquerors in Christ. Be thanks to God, uh, but thanks to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came that we may have life and have his life abundantly. 
I'm going to give you uh, uh, something to get excited about. We here at Living Waters Church were founded 40 years ago. This is our 40th year. And I've been praying, and uh, along with others, what are we going to do this year to, to, to celebrate this? And we believe that November is going to be set aside three Sundays for this. And I, and I want to say this statement, we want to honor our past, and we want God to empower our future. Go ahead and get that, that statement up there. I, I, I came up with it myself, or the Holy Spirit did, and I want you to not forget it. Go ahead, Dave. We, we want to honor our past. We want God to on, uh, empower our future. David, get back to that. So, what I, I felt cautious about in, in the planning and praying about the fourth year celebration, that it wasn't enough just to celebrate. That it's actually a launching into a, another generation. And God is like that because he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three generations. And so November 7th, Doc Shell is going to be speaking. Next, I. And there's, it's going to be, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to call it, but something like Founders Sunday. On November 14th, the next Sunday, Dr. Buddy Barry is going to be speaking. And he represents, as a school superintendent and his youth pastor, he represents that next generational priority. And that's going to be a focus. And November 21st is going to be a blessing Sunday where the founders and the pillars and the uh, Encore Legacy Generation is going to speak blessings over our next 40 years. And speak blessings over the younger generation to, to lead, as you heard Randy go through the list of pioneering ministries that have been established out of this body that in the next 40 years, it's going to be, it's going to be like that and more. But I believe the message of John the Baptist has to be real in us for us to say yes to that. And that is no more games. So I ask you, son and daughter from the Lord, no more games. What, is, what does that mean to you right now? How, how does God want to apply that to you? So I want you to kind of wait on the Lord and think about that. I also want to encourage you that as we go on, go on in Matthew 11 and chapter 12, that Jesus says this in Matthew 11, 28, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as he's releasing these sent ones into uh, intense ministry where there's battle and there's violence, he doesn't forget what we need in this journey, in these battles, as we come to him when we're 
weary and heavy laden. And he, it's just that, isn't that just most intimate scriptures you can read? Come to me, come to me. Oh, I'm going to refresh you. Mighty soldier. Warrior. You're being aggressive, fighting off the darkness and the resistance. So, God's not forgetting that. We'll get to that next session. But today, let's hear why God brought John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. It's that blood honest, straightforward, no more games. Father, thank you that you promise that your grace is more than enough. And that is a promise. We thank you for that. How how hopeless we would be. How defeated we would be. Thank you that you call us more than conquerors. Thank you that you call us victorious, Lord God. And no matter how tough the road is right now, Lord, you have grace for us in this journey. Lord God, we ask as a family, Lord God, that that grace, we'll see it. We'll see it at work. We'll, we'll receive the peace in our hearts because we know it's working in us, Lord God. It's there. It's, in fact, it's abundant grace. It's more than enough grace. And, Lord God, that'll give us that hope and encouragement to keep moving, to not quit. So, Lord, we ask for that this week. Lord, also we ask, Lord God, as we lean on you, Lord God, that your light would shine out from us, Lord God. That people would see a difference, that we just don't have it in our heart, but Lord, they see it in our lifestyle and our behaviors. Lord God, we ask, Lord God, that we would be a light. Amen. You are blessed. Have a great day. Have a great week.